Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Shutdown Coverage, your number one podcast for news and debate about the NFL with a distinctly British flavour. On this week's show, we are on draft review week. The draft was Thursday, Friday, Saturday last week, and it was an absolute awesome time had by all, apart from maybe the San Francisco 49ers. But that's another thing we'll talk about later. Ed, it's not just me, Simon. Ed is here with me, my partner in crime. Ed, how are you? And did you have fun at the draft? With, yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Big deal. Um, no, it was really good. Um, very enjoyable, as it always is. It's always so intriguing. And it was an entertaining draft, wasn't it? We had trades up, up and down, some really shocking, some not so shocking. We had some picks we didn't see coming. And um, some players got taken up earlier and later than we thought. Just everything you wanted from a draft, really. Lots of QBs going, which as much as we might bemoan the fact that quarterbacks go so early, that's obviously the nature of the NFL. You have to have a really good quarterback. And so it's exciting when those teams take one. I don't like. I don't know about you, but I always feel like a shared excitement. Which I know it sounds a bit silly, but like it's not my team taking a quarterback. Obviously, it was you know a couple of years ago, but... When when like the Colts take a quarterback or the, you know um, the Texans take a quarterback, I'm kind of slightly excited because I think, oh, what are they going to be in a few years? What could they be? So like just in a league storyline way, it, it's quite exciting. I think even if it's not your team, definitely. I think there's a well. Obviously, we don't know who the next Patrick Mahomes is going to be. It's not always the one you think it is. You know, a lot of people saying before the draft, beware the number one pick. Because how many of the number one quarterbacks in the draft have actually been the best quarterback in that class? It's, apart from maybe Joe Burrow and possibly uh, Lawrence, there's not really been many over the recent years that have been the best. Mitch Trubisky obviously strikes uh, a very sad tone as a Bears fan. So, I mean, yeah, you were right about quarterbacks. I believe there was a record number of quarterbacks taken. I think it was... 12 I think I'd have to I'll look it up frantically at one point during the podcast but yeah there was a record number of trades possibly because people thought the draft was a little bit weaker so you were trying to get your guy and maybe not waiting for the value to fall your way as much but lots of trades I mean Casario himself must have traded 62 times during the draft <laughs> so yeah it was just an absolute awesome time I stayed up for most of the first round and then watched the second round kind of retrospectively and the same with the uh the uh the day three stuff so i didn't watch it all i mean it would go another day as a single man as i was back those days where i could watch three days of draft with no interruptions unfortunately my <laughs> life is full of interruptions these days but it is our cross to bear isn't it ed anyway ed as as this, we're here to talk about our review of the draft so we're going to kind of go through first of all we're going to do a few stories so as we said, there was lots of stories. We already kind of mentioned a few, let's be perfectly honest. Hopefully I haven't stolen any thunder or, and vice versa. Uh, so Ed, kind of stick out. What was one of the big stories that jumped out to you, either from the first day, the whole thing itself, or, or, or whenever? So one of the big ones for me was sort of the drop on cornerbacks. Uh, obviously a huge position in the NFL right now. To have a number one corner is is massive. If you want to be a Super Bowl contender... It's almost impossible not to, unless you've got an absolutely ferocious pass rush and then a load of number twos in your secondary. You kind of have to have a number one. Yeah. And if you actually look at it, we had a one early, of course, Devon Witherspoon went um, number five to Seattle. But then you slid all the way down to 16 and 17, where Forbes and Gonzalez went to the Commanders and the Patriots. 
And then you slid again um, down to 24. Banks went to the Giants. And then you slid out the first round. And actually, given the talent of some of the cornerbacks, given the fact that it was quite top-heavy, so what you were talking about before, so you've got a top-heavy class, but a class with some talent, it was interesting to see them slide so far. And yes, teams like the Patriots are beneficiaries of that, but it's just a bit surprising. I thought I thought one or two would have just snuck in a little bit earlier. You, you, like you, you were mentioning earlier about runs on other positions, and I won't say what because it might, again, steal your thunder, but there were, run, there were runs on other positions. And so, yes, perhaps people jumped in there, but obviously you've only got one pick for the most part, unless you're very lucky, in the first round anyway. So to an extent, it doesn't matter if there's a run on another position because you should take whatever you think is best for your team at the time. That's more of a trade-up consideration. If you are where you are and and you have the slate of players that drop in front of you, you should take what's best for your team. So again, I don't know that that necessarily tracks. So it was just interesting to see the cornerback almost be devalued a bit given how important it is. And I'm just looking at the second round. I know uh, Joey Porter went number one, if you'd like, in the second round. But then I'm trying to find the next cornerback. Possibly Tyreek Stevenson went to the uh, Bears. Julius. Oh, Brent. Uh, Brent. Brent's, yeah. But that's even, that's 44. You know, that's 12 picks mm-hmm. in. So, yeah, it was just, that was interesting for me. I, I wonder, Ed, if it had something to do with the fact that there were a few positions in this draft that were quite deep. You saw that with edge rusher. It was something like seven went in the first round by far the most of any number of positions in the draft. And that kind of went that way. And there was a frantic rush to get him. But with cornerback, another strong group, it was kind of seen maybe the other way. And people were like, well, we can get a guy in the second or third round who can come in. I mean, the Bears got a guy in Terrell Smith in the fifth round that could come in and be a starter within a couple of years. So, I mean, there's so much depth there so maybe that was the reason that people didn't want to not waste the first round pick because let's be honest if you've got Witherspoon or Gonzalez or one of those you're probably going to have a very very good defense a very very good secondary but maybe they were looking at more of a value pick in that round but it it is an odd situation that they dropped and there were a few things that dropped and I'm going to piggyback off that Ed with my selection and I'm going to pick possibly the lowest hanging fruit possible because that's the kind of guy I am. So I'm going to talk about young William Levis. Billy Levis, as he's sometimes known. And we're talking about... Is he? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, he's probably a lot bigger than me, so I'm pretty glad he's not here right now. And he's probably also quite upset because of what happened. So he slid completely out of round one. He was one of those very, very awkward cases of someone who was invited to the green room Uh, And shout out to me for picking three of the green room attendees who wouldn't get picked in the first round, Porter, Branch and Keon White, uh, who we'll talk about later. Um, They we had another one in young Billy Levis, who also slid completely out of round one. I can understand why in some ways some of the issues that kind of bubbled up were quite major. His inaccuracy, his complete drop in in tape performance between 2022 and 2021. But he's also a quarterback and it, that sort of thing doesn't happen. If someone sees him as a franchise quarterback, you just pick them in the first round because of the fifth year option. By the way, 2020 draft was a uh, 12, is it 12% of the first round pit ever? Uh, the fifth year options were picked up this week. So very, very small amount so far. Very bad. Anyway, 
that's going off on a tangent. And yeah, and, and young William Levis dropped all the way into the second round, pick 33, where the Titans traded up with Arizona, who was another team we'll probably talk about in a little bit. Uh, they had to trade away pick 33 and 81. Arizona did for picks 41, 72, and a 2024 third rounder, which will be very valuable because it is seen as a stronger draft. And it was just it was just an awkward thing on day one to see Levis in the green room with possibly uh, family members, uh, girlfriend, and it was just awkward as hell. And yeah, he did the slide that as I mean I I, I don't know about you Ed unless I was guaranteed. Some team has said I we're picking you. We are not getting past this number. We are picking you regardless. I wouldn't go to the green room. W- would you have gone to the green room? Do you know what? I can't remember the player's name, but there's a player who was invited to the green room who was back on day two. And there was about five of them. Yeah. And Will Levis didn't show up. And the other three didn't show up. Yeah. So this one guy, and I, I can't remember who it was, turned up and they said to him, why did you come back for the second day to sit in the green room again? And he said, like, why would I miss this? It's a once yeah. in a lifetime opportunity. I'll never be drafted again. I'll never get to walk out on this stage again. Was I'll it Brian Branch? To- it might well have been, I'll never get to hold my shirt up again, um, you know, and do all that stuff. And I thought, that's such a good attitude. Like, underneath, mm-hmm. he'll still be like, all right, I'm going to show you. You didn't put me in the first round. I'll show you who's a first rounder. He'll still have that fire. But I thought, what a good attitude to have to be like, yeah, so what? I, I, I'm going to come and enjoy this experience. And I thought that was great. I know it's a bit harder when you're a quarterback, and I get that. But I, I think... Well, and the other thing I would say about this is I think Will Levis was a victim of Zach Wilson because mm. they're very similar. They're, they're big muscle, you know, good looks, big arm, bullet throw, but a bit, I wear a bandana, I'm kind of cool, I, I'm a bit lackadaisical, and people have seen what's happened to Zach Wilson. I think they looked at Will Levis and thought, you seem like Zach Wilson 2.0. And I know they're actually quite different in some ways, but... I do think that played into it that they, because that's what everyone said was Zach Wilson. A lot of people really high on him and he has been awful. And <laughs> I think some people did see Will Levis and think you've got a great arm, but, and you can make all the throws and you're, you you seem really cool and calm and collected, but that's what Zach Wilson looked like. And yeah. we're a bit cautious about that now. Um, it kind of happened a little bit last year as well. Everyone assumed that the quarterbacks could go and it actually took to pick 20 to Pittsburgh for Kenny Pickett to go. And he was the only one until the end of the second round, start of the third round, I believe. So it was a similar situation there. And it kind of shows a little bit, which we didn't necessarily think, that people are being a bit more choosy with where they pick quarterbacks. It was, as I said, historically that you just picked him in the first round for for the obvious possible preferences in that regard. Ed, one last thing before we move on there. Is this the end for Malik Willis already in in Tennessee? 100%. 100%. You don't don't draft uh, another quarterback, let alone with a a reasonably high pick, um, unless it's the end. And I think it's also the sign of the end for Tannehill as well. Mm. I think he'll stick out this year. I think Malik Willis will be on the practice squad slash cut. Yeah, but I think Tannehill will see out this year, or see to give the rookie that year. But then I think after that, I think he's gone as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be an interesting, possibly awkward camp battle, and obviously you've got Tannehill 
never exactly showing that he's willing to teach any of these guys either. So <laughs> we'll see how awkward a quarterback room it is in the short term and then see if he's traded elsewhere. Anyway, Ed, what was your second story that jumped out to you from the draft? So kind of a double-edged sword running back story. So Ooh. great to see a couple of running backs go in the first round. I think running backs are understandably not valued that highly in the sense that you can get five from Alabama every year alone and usually in the fourth or fifth round. And they're, it's obviously a passing league these days. And so if they're not an all three phase contributor, they're not as valuable. And even if they are a three phase contributor, you still want two wide receivers probably over them, maybe even a third or a tight end, um, preferably as in drafted high, more capital in, invested in them. And however, as has rightly been pointed out, most teams who win the Super Bowl have still got a good running game. Yeah. Okay, they might not have the number one back in the league or whatever, but they've still got a good running game. If you can't run the ball, you're still a st- sitting duck. You know, Patrick Mahomes saw that in the Tampa Bay Super Bowl. Couldn't run the ball. In fact, I think it was one of Andy Reid's worst coaching jobs because he refused to throw the ball short or run the ball, even, even if they knew they weren't going to gain yards. Just run the ball just to make the D think you might actually run the ball. Um, and Patrick Mahomes got obliterated. And I know the tackles were hurt and all the rest of it, but let's be honest, Patrick Mahomes ha- has overcome bigger things than that in the past. So I think that running the ball is still important. And two running backs went in the first round, which was great to see. Obviously, B. John Robinson's obviously an extremely polished and exciting talent. So um, he, he should be really good. And then obviously a bit of a surprise for pretty much everyone, um, Jamal Gibbs went as well to the Lions. Mm-hmm. The reason I say this is double short because I should be rejoicing. Yes, running backs. Yes, they are needed. They are people too. It almost, it's almost getting to that point, isn't it? They're almost yeah. like kickers where we have to say they're people too. Yeah, running yeah. backs do count. But the double-edged sword is they're taken way too high. Mm. And, and, the, and that's the flip of it. That It's great that they were taken. Brilliant. But Jamal Gibbs shouldn't even have been in the first round. Now, I know... Yes, I'm going to revisit this in three years and he'll be the next Matt Forte and be churning out yards and touchdowns left, right and centre. But on paper and by all analysis, he shouldn't be in the first round. You'd also argue the Lions had David Montgomery already in-house. They didn't have to let go of Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, but they did anyway. So for them, I just think it's it's too much capital. And they have still got... The Lions are getting that momentum where everyone thinks they're going to win the North. Yes... They are favourites, but they're not favourites by that mm. much. They've still got some significant holes in inexperienced areas. So, okay. And then the Bijan Robbins one I'm less disappointed with because he is a first-rounder. He should have probably been in the top 20 and the Falcons took him at eight. I don't mind if the Falcons, because as I said to our friend John, who's a Falcons fan, I think, yes, they're not the team that needs him as a final piece, but actually they've got a really exciting offence. If you look at the weapons on the offense, you look at the offensive line. That offense is 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 a quarterback away. The team aren't quarterback away, quarterback away, but that offense is. And so, if you put Ridder in there, you can say, right, this is your year. Let's see, let's see what you can do. If not next year, amazing draft class, which we're going to have a high pick in because we'll suck. Hmm. Um, we'll go get one of them. Or Ridder does really well, and you think, brilliant, you're our quarterback. Yeah. But that offense is completely set up for whoever the next quarterback is. So. I, I do understand the running back pick, but at the same time, could you have traded back and got him? Yeah, I'm pretty 99% sure you would have been able to. Maybe even as much as like 10 picks. 
which would yeah. have netted you probably a second and fifth rounder or something. So, yeah, Dublin Sword, love seeing them go, but I think they were probably picked a bit too high. Yeah, I think the Bijan one is an interesting one because a lot of people, he was in a lot of people's top five players of the draft. Oh, yes, just on talent, yeah. I, I, as you say, it's a de, uh, devaluing of the actual position itself. The Jamal Gibbs one, I, I was kind of one on my list. I'm not going to use it, but the Lions, I feel like they almost panicked because I think they had it in their heart that they were going to get Witherspoon at pick number six. He goes to Seattle at pick number five. And they trade back with the Cardinals, who had already traded back with the Texans, as I will talk about in a minute, a little hint of what I'm going to talk about. And they then, at pick number 12, picked up Jamal Gibbs. He's not a three-down running back. He is, he's kind of one of those guys who's going to use, it, use him in space. You could probably put him in the slot a little bit, but you're not going to, he's not going to be your bell cow. He's not going to be the one guy you want to get the churn out the hard yards. So... It was an interesting pick, a bit of a luxury pick. And then it was followed up by pick pick 18 by Jack Campbell, who was seen as a second round grade linebacker. Now, we have said, you and I together, that the Lions then kind of rescued it a bit in round two with Laporta, who was seen as a top three or four uh, tight end. And then with uh, Brian Branch, who was a bit split. I think the 40 time at the Combine really hurt him and showed his slight lack of athleticism compared to what you assumed from his film. But he was a fringe first rounder. So they kind of picked up four fringe first rounders, early second rounders. So they they did all right there. But the thing for the Lions, I think you kind of hit on there. And forgive me if I'm inferring on your behalf. But I felt, as a Bears fan, the Lions have been the team who are being anointed as the Kings of the whole offseason. Now Aaron Rodgers has gone to New York. That has further cemented this. And this was their draft. They had two first round picks. They've got two second round picks. They've got so much draft capital. You need to hit on these these players and and get to the next level. And instead, they kind of took luxury positions. They picked a, a line, an off-ball linebacker. They picked a second best running back. And it's like, yeah, they picked up Laporta, who is... A little of a, a bit of a project who's also a tight end who never hits in the first year anyway. They usually take at least a year of seasoning before they play well. And then also you took Brian Branch, who, yes, played fantastic at Alabama, but there is some potential question marks about his long speed and whether that will translate and be taken advantage of in the NFL. So as a Bears fan, I, I look at their draft and say, yeah, yeah, they picked up some good guys, but I don't feel it's made them a lot much a lot much better. And actually, if you start looking at position by position between the Bears, who were christened as the fourth best team in the in the North, and the Lions, who were seen as the next king, there's actually a lot of positions where the Bears have got a better positional group. You know, you could argue running back, you could argue uh, obviously linebackers, you could argue quarterback, wide receivers. I'd probably say there's a lot of areas where the Bears probably are better, and you could. You shouldn't be saying that about a team you think is going to win the North. You look at the Eagles, and, and that's another team we're going to talk about probably in the forthcoming future, but they are just building strength on strength. You look at their D-line, and the, the second D-line for the Eagles is probably better than a lot of teams' first D-line. And you don't have that with the Lions. You don't have that, depth, that, that strength and depth and some of that overall talent. So I thought that was a bit of a puzzling thing. and I think they, they panicked a little bit, and I think that kind of ties in well with your running back uh, trend. 
I'm going to talk very briefly now because we have been talking probably far too long about this, about the Texans. So the Texans took CJ Stroud at number two. I was completely smokescreened. I had CJ Stroud going at pick seven to the Raiders because all this talk of the S2 test that he'd done really badly on, on some issues with the interviews and all the sorts of stuff. And then the fact that they weren't interested in a quarterback. And then he goes at number two. But nobody also saw the fact that the Texans then traded back into uh, back from pick 12 to pick three to pick Will Anderson. So their coach gets their big possible foundational piece on the D-line. They get their quarterback as well and they're well on their way to a rebuild. For me, it's an interesting situation. Yes, some people even put them as winners of the draft. In a way, they did so well to get probably two of the top five players in the draft. That's awesome. But what did they sacrifice to get that? So they traded with the Cardinals at pick to get back to pick number three. So they traded, it was number three for picks 12, 33, a first and a third rounder in 2024. And not only was it a first rounder in 2024, it's the Texans first rounder. I still think the Texans aren't going to be a particularly great team. They're definitely going to be a bottom five to 10 team next year, unless there's a massive improvement in somewhere that I'm not seeing. So they're basically giving a top 10 draft pick away for Will Anderson, who is a very, very good player, one of the best D linemen in the draft. But although he has a high floor, maybe he doesn't have that absolute Miles Garrett-esque ceiling. So it seemed a lot of draft capital to give up. Ed, what was your thoughts on the trade? I think I really didn't like it. Mm. Really didn't like it. And I I think we might go into that more in a moment, potentially. (laughs) But um, if you're giving up the capital, it better be a quarterback. Mm. And if it's not, it better be JJ Watt. I just think they've actually almost mortgaged their next draft on a defensive end. Mm. I think that's that's insane. Yeah. and, And like I said... Like we say with all these things, he probably will turn out to be J.J. Watt and everyone will be like, huh, obviously we'd give that up. But the the fact is you have to judge it now. And if you judge it now, what's the chance of being J.J. Watt? As good as he is, 5%? Yeah. It, it's not high, is it? Uh, yet they have given up the picks. Yeah. They're done. They're not getting the picks back. There's no refund. Yeah. And I, I so I, I don't really like it at all. And, and I think that also they're not going to be a good team this year. No. They're going to be an improved team. They're not going to be a good team. So again, why have you mortgaged next year, this year? You're you're still going to be probably the third or fourth team in your own division, let alone the AFC. Yeah. So I just don't. I don't see the. If I suppose the only other thing I'd say apart from quarterback would be if you went up and it was a guaranteed nailed on wide receiver for CJ Stroud. It, it was literally guaranteed Julio Jones. There's no yeah. doubt that it's like Peyton Manning coming out, but a wide receiver. Fair yeah. enough, hey, perhaps. Yeah, you give up next year's draft, but he'll have that talent with him, you yeah. know, perhaps. But no, I, did, I didn't like it. I thought it was a gigantic overpay. And everyone knows that Peyton Manning has the traits to be a very, very good wide receiver. Anyway, let's move. Yeah, speed and just <laughs> agility and everything needed. He's got the hands of Tom Brady. So all in all. Forehead. You know. <laughs> yeah, that too. So let's move on now. We're going to give a few draft grades 
for this draft. So kind of our winners and losers. We're not going through every team. We're just going to give two winners each, two losers each. What we're going to do to make it a little bit spicy in case one of us snipes the other is, Ed, (laughs) I'll let you choose if you want to go first or second for winners, and then I will do the opposite for losers. And you, if you go first and you'll get the first pick, I will get the next two picks and then you will get the fourth pick. So it gives us a little bit of a balance so someone doesn't just end up getting the two best ones and someone gets shafted a little bit. So, Ed, also, and also a disclaimer to say, really, is that this, this whole process, draft grades after the draft are irrelevant. This is media personalities looking at their draft board and saying, well, I had him 30 picks lower and I had him 40 picks higher. It doesn't matter because, as we know, I mean, for example, I saw this on a on a Bears based pod, uh, on a Bears based Twitter account even, and it was very interesting. It said something along the lines of "careful what you say," like things like home runs. So the Eagles, it says, Eagles have hit a home run two years in a row. Well, that might be, but actually, if you look at the last year for Eagles, the they had um, Davis in round one, they had Cam Jurgens in round two. And they had Nakobe Dean in round three. Those were their three big ones. None of them, have, they've barely played. Davis never got a, a sack or anything else like last year. Cam Jurgens didn't play. He's basically a stone-cold center. He probably can't even play guard. So he's going to have to wait until Kelsey retires. Uh, and then Nakobe Dean had a nagging shoulder injury and a few other things. And so none of them actually played. So you can't necessarily say anything until two or three years after the draft. Even longer sometimes. But for this, we, we just like giving our ideas on what we think people did, projections of how players are going to do at the next level. I think it's a fun exercise. So as I said, we, we're by no means, you know, if we call your team a loser, it, at the end of the day, you can very easily rub our noses in it when all of those players go to the Pro Bowl next year. Yeah. Ed, would you like to go first or second on winners? I'll go first. Why not? Why not? Okay, well, who is your first winner of the 2023 NFL Draft. Well, do you know what? They haven't been called a winner for a little while, the Arizona Cardinals. It's been a while since they've been in the winner's box. Nice. Um, But they did an absolutely incredible job. And actually, I think Arizona fans are already probably like, great, Steve Kime's gone. Yeah. Because I actually didn't hate Steve Kime as much as I think a lot of Arizona fans, which is probably easy for me because I'm not an Arizona fan. But I think at times he did a good job. At times he did a poor job. But... I think it's like our friend who's a Giants fan just had a draft without Gettleman and they're literally like, oh my goodness, this is what competence is like. <laughs> and and I think it was the same for Arizona. They did a great job. Obviously, um, traded back, got, like I said, a king's ransom for trading back. I, I think they did an incredibly good job for a non-quarterback, which they'd have known when the person traded up because they'd just taken a quarterback, so they weren't coming up for a second one. So what they got was absolutely brilliant, sets them up for this year and next year. So, you, you, I mean, next year they're going to have two firsts, two seconds. They're going to be probably quite high picks. Again, no offence to the Texans. They're going to be in the top 10 most likely. So you've got two years of premium picks. And then with those picks, got Paris Johnson, which is a – a really good value, even at six, you know, because he's probably the best tackle in the draft. Tackles are so important. And Kyler Murray desperately needs tackles because the offensive line's shocking in Arizona mm. and has been the entire time. I'm a bit down on Kyler because you know I care about intangibles and leadership a lot and things like that. But And height. In, yeah, and, yeah, and height. Um, but in fairness, 
Kyle has been running for his life the entire time. Hmm. So this is a great pick. Uh, Ojolari, I thought was a really good pick in round two. So sort of 10 picks in. I think he wasn't in those sort of top five edge rushes, but I think he was just below that. So to get that in sort of the starting to become middle of the second round, I think it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, they were saying he's got a lot of different pass rush moves, which I think is really nice because I think a lot of people, they struggle because in the, in the college, they're bigger than everyone else. And so they just overpower people or they have their one move because they're really fast. They just do their one speed move around the edge. So mm-hmm. actually variety of pass rush moves is actually probably going to translate better mm-hmm. to the pros than the other way around. Um, Garrett Williams, a corner will be starting. Um, probably yeah. straight out of um, college, so they probably got a starting corner there. I'm not saying he's going to be really high standard, but he's probably going to, you know, be be in there straight away. And then th- they took a few um, um, goes at wide receiver, guard, linebacker, corner. So uh, yeah. a few other positions sprinkled in. Michael Wilson from Stanford's probably the only other person you'll see significant playing time. I don't think John Gaines will start straight away. He's the guard they had. And then it's a quarterback who's obviously not going to start straight away. Well, he might do. And so Michael Wilson might see some game time. But they've got they've got some wide receivers in Arizona as it stands. So I, I think he might be shooting far between. But nevertheless, I thought it was a great first three picks. Um, but there was the trade, really. The first three picks would probably have given them a B. Yeah. But the, the trade's just outstanding. And it's not just that, but also kind of uh, to agree with you. I completely agree. I, I, I had them on my honorable mentions so they weren't one of the teams i've picked but they are an honorable mention they they have two first round picks next year they've got two uh, thirds two fourths two fifths that's that's just you know the ones they've got at the moment but if you think about it if they've got two picks if they're going to be awful i mean they're going to be absolutely woeful this year most almost certainly you've then got the fact that the Texans, we don't think we're probably going to be a bottom ten team. So that's yeah. two first round picks in the bottom in the top ten of yeah. next year's draft, which is supposed to be a very strong draft. At least two, three, maybe even four quarterbacks that could go in the first round. So they're going to have their pick of quarterback. They're also going to have a situation where they might be able to move back. Say they have the number one pick and the number five pick they might be able to drop back and accrue more draft capital, a couple of second rounders, another first round pick the year afterwards because of the fact that they put themselves in such a strong position this year. I don't think they, they, yeah, I I think they'll do exactly that. I think they'll take the best player available and then trade back with the other pick because they've got Kyler. They don't need a quarterback technically right now and he's under contract so they can't really take anyone else anyway. Mm. So it's like you said, you're absolutely right, mate. They're, they're going to be absolutely minted in next year's yeah. draft. And the year after, they could be genuinely dangerous. Yeah. I mean, they, they do have a quick bounce back capability, depending on what happens with Kyler, I think. I think Kyler is a really, really big part of this. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to my first winner. And I'm once again, as you're finding out regularly on this podcast, taking the easy, easy W. And going with the Philadelphia Bulldogs. I mean, Eagles. Eagles, yeah. not Bulldogs. Um, so they had an absolute stellar draft. Although I poo-pooed them a little bit, saying everyone said they had a great draft last year, which technically they probably have, but you can't say until those players actually play some meaningful football. They picked up Jalen Carter at pick number nine, trading with the Bears. They traded up one spot for a fourth rounder next year. They're taking a gamble on Jalen Carter. 
it goes to show that the Bears met him twice. Various teams that were also in that top 10 met up with Jalen Carter and none of them wanted to pick him up because they obviously saw some level of risk. And I've heard rumours there may be more to the stories and more to this whole situation, but we will find out in time. But he's going to the perfect environment. Not only is he going to a place that's got large amounts of his old teammates, Jordan Davis, Nakobe Dean, you've got Keely Ringo, who I'll talk about in a second, and a few others from that Georgia team. But also you've got Fletcher Cox, You've got all these absolute superstar veteran players, Darius Slay, all these players who are just going to take him one side and say, look, this is what's important. This is how you do this. You might be struggling with this. You need to avoid the temptations of this. You need to take accountability for your actions, all that sort of stuff. It's the perfect environment for him. And like as a Bears fan, as good as Jalen Carter is, I would have been very worried about taking him just because of the fact that we have a very young team and a very inexperienced coaching staff. And I just don't know for the Bears if it would have been a good idea to take him. But for the Eagles, at pick number nine to pick up what most people would say is the best player in the draft is an absolute coup. They then picked up Nolan Smith, who was getting genuine top 15 buzz. Super fast, slightly undersized edge rusher, but a really, really good player. Pick number 30. They then picked up in the third round after trading back they picked up Tyler Steen, who's probably going to move. He played tackle for Alabama. He's probably going to move in and play guard at the next level. I mean, you've got Isaac Samolo at who just left for Steelers. So that's a nice possible situation for him to go into. And obviously you're playing under probably one of the best O-line coaching teams in the league. You've then They then picked up Keely Ringo in the fourth round. So this is a guy who had first round buzz or at the very least, second round buzz, and he's now gone down and fell dramatically, sunk like a stone into the fourth round. Some talk about whether he's going to play safety or cornerback, some issues with another bit of a personality issue. But once again, he's going to the Philadelphia culture, which is just absolutely amazing at turning some of these possibly troublesome players around. Then picked up Tanner McKee in the sixth, who will be a good backup to Jalen Hurts. He's a decent player from Stanford. Uh, and then Moro Jomo, who was um, from Texas in the seventh, who's another big body player for them for that D-line. I, I just thought it was a really, really, really good draft. And then just to, another little cherry on top, they also traded for DeAndre Swift, who, yes, is oft injured, but is moving to a place where he's not necessarily expected, once again, to be the, the number one back necessarily, and will make a nice tandem with Penny, Gainwell, Scott, and all the others that make up that running back room for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, yeah, I just thought it was a really, really awesome draft. Uh, and I think the plaudits they're getting so far are justified. Yeah, they, excuse me, I think they are. I think they've done a great job. And I think the only thing I'd probably add is that this is what happens when you're really successful and you've got yeah. a really good team. Now, Philadelphia, I know they haven't won, won loads of Super Bowls recently. I know they've won one, but that was a completely different coaching staff and team. But I think, well, actually, well, a d- decent amount of different team, a decent amount of players are still there. But what I mean by that is when, you're, when you've got a really good team and you're playing well, like Philadelphia, yeah. you can take a bit of a risk on Jalen Carter. You know, you can say, well, we think he's going to work out, as yeah. in um, as a character. And we know he'll work out as a player. We can perhaps take that risk. 
Whereas, yeah. as you said, when you're some of the teams, you can't. So it's one of the big advantages of that. Yeah. Be successful. That's the good way to win in the NFL. So, Ed, um, I'm going to go on to my second team now, because obviously I went second, so I yeah. get to pick again. And I'm going to pick the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I thought had a really, really good draft. So they jumped ahead of the Jets uh, to pick up Broderick Jones to get the last of the the best tackles in the first round. They got the end of the tackle run there, which I thought was an absolute steal. Uh, and, and as you kind of showed, the Jets kind of panicked, ended up picking Will McDonald instead. So I thought that was a really good move. They then picked up at the beginning of the second with the 32nd pick, which unfortunately came from the Chicago Bears after the ill-fated um, trade that happened between us and them. You have... Um, Joey Porter Jr., who was seen by most people as a first rounder who ended up, you know, falling to the very, very top of the second round. He's long as can be. He's got really good tape. He didn't allow a touchdown last year. So he's got some, and obviously he's got that that pedigree from his dad. So it, it's a, it's another really decent pick and some really good value going into the second round. They also picked out... Keanu Benton, who was a rising D tackle for Wisconsin, who really showed out at the Pro uh, the Pro Bowl at the Senior Bowl, where he was probably the best D tackle there, and once again just adds to that Steelers front, just puts another weapon for that defense to go along with T.J. Watt and everyone else. They then picked up Darnell Washington, who was seen as a possible first round, the second rounder, who is the traitsy kind of wide uh, tight end in terms of he's got really good maneuverability. He's got a good agility, was not really used much as a receiver at Georgia for obvious reasons. They had Bowers there as well, and he was kind of the number one option. But a great blocker, we know that already, and with the potential to actually develop into a, a decent pass catcher as well. He's going to be a very, very good tight end. Now, there were some rumours about that kind of came out, and that's always a problem. You make a, a silly thing, like put a mock draft out and say he's going to go pick 10, and then it turns out he's got injury issues that none of us knew about. But he slid down into the third round, pick 93, then picked up Nick Herbig in the fourth round, who's an undersized pass rusher, once again from Wisconsin. And then they picked up Corey Trice, who's a really, really good cornerback injury history that might cause him to possibly never even play in the NFL or not play very often but it's worth taking a risk on a guy who's a a top 150 top 100 player in the seventh round even with those medicals so I thought the Steelers had a a really really good draft and someone kind of highlighted it in a very interesting way is that the Steelers tried out a new strategy of just picking really good players which I think some some GMs make look harder than it probably should be. So, Ed, were you a fan of the Steelers draft? Yeah, I thought they did very well. It's kind of gone under the radar a bit as well. I think a lot of people in their grades have said AA+, and mm. the media definitely on the night and in, over the weekend mentioned the Steelers have done well. But I think, kind of as you've alluded to, I guess, that they did pretty much as well as anyone. I'm not saying they literally were number one, number two, but... They were probably in the top five drafters over the weekend out of 32. And I don't think they're getting much press for that, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. I mean, that's it. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter until these guys get out on the field. So uh, 
we'll find out soon how well the Steelers did. But from the, the looks of it so far, I think they had a, a really stellar draft. So, Ed, what's the final winner that you have on your list that you want to talk about? So my last one is the New York Giants. I think value-wise, they just did really well. They're going to have three starters. So they only made seven picks, uh, which I know just doesn't sound like that little, considering I think the Vikings or Dolphins had four and there's only seven rounds. But most people, because of compensatory picks, end up with nine, I think, is probably the average amount of picks in the NFL. And they're going to turn in three starters immediately, and then they've got two people who will see rotational time as well. And then you've got two flyers as well. And who knows what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. But that's that's pretty good from seven picks. And it's also the value of them. So Deontay Banks was taken 24 in the first round. He could have gone 12 picks higher. And again, it's a cornerback, a vital position in the NFL now. Then John Michael Smith was taken round two, number 57. Again, a lot of people had him as an end fringe first rounder. So he could have been taken like 20 picks higher than that. Again, a vital position in, in the NFL, a vastly underrated one center, calling out all the signals for the offense and actually joining a lot of star potential, should we say, on that Giants offensive line. And hopefully for the Giants, this is the final piece. They've invested a lot in that offensive line. So if this is the final piece that brings it all together for Daniel Jones. And then... Uh, Jalen Hyatt, um, round three, pick 73, again, could have been a whole round higher than that. Um, they literally could have got a whole round of value there, potentially, mm-hmm. and gives the Giants a burner on the outside, which is what they need. They've got a lot of inside guys. They haven't got outside guys. They haven't got guys with tons of speed, mm-hmm. all that much depth at speed, if you like. Yeah. And um, he'll give them all of that. And Daniel Jones now really should have an offensive line he can't complain about, wide receivers he can't complain about, and um, a running back position he sh- mm. shouldn't be able to complain about because, in theory, Barkley will stay. Then Eric Gray from Oklahoma, they got in round five, is quite a different sort of more scatty back. He's definitely a, a running back. He's not one of those guys who just catches the ball, but he's a bit more of a scatty back compared to Barkley, who's, who could be a power back as well. So they should complement each other quite well, and he should actually allow Barkley to take a bit more of a rest sometimes. And so this offense should kick on this year and the, the defense also gets banks as well, which will help. Trey Hawkins, um, who's taking the sixth round, I think might get a bit of playing time as well. Although yeah. occasionally he does struggle in coverage a little bit. So, you know, he might need a year to kind of special teams and, and spot play and then maybe mm-hmm. he comes on in year two. But I just think they did great work. There wasn't that much splash. wasn't a quarterback for obvious reasons or, you know, massive trade up for this pass rush or anything like that. But I just think value per person taken, I think they did basically as well as anyone. Yeah, I think there's a thing. I, I like the Giants as well. They were on my honourable mentions. They they, they managed to get... I think this is the kind of thing that I've seen with the Bears. I, I mean, I want to talk too much about the Bears because we're going to talk about our teams briefly at the end. But it's it's nice to be in a situation, I think, for the Giants where they don't need to hit a home run every time. You don't need to be at the top of the draft and pick a quarterback or this, that. You just need to sometimes hit, like to use a baseball analogy, you just need to hit a double or something. You don't need to, you just need to get a little bit better, enough better that you are better on the field the following year. I mean, you don't need to hit splash every, don't want to have that Saints draft where they got 62 starters, something like that. 
It doesn't have to be like that. You just need to have competence. As I said, like you said earlier, it's just interesting to have a competent person drafting for the Giants. And I think they did a really good job of getting value at positions they needed. I mean, they needed a center. They didn't have one and they picked the best one in the draft. Uh, I think Banks is a very, very good corner. Hyatt, I'm going to be interested to see how he goes. I think they've got a team now of slot receivers and he went from a very gimmicky team with Tennessee, a very gimmick scheme to see how it ends up in the pros. But I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think they have really, really good value. Uh, Honourable mentions for me, just briefly. I also had the Seahawks, so I thought I had a good draft. The Colts had a good draft. And my special award goes to the Browns because they didn't have a first or second round pick because of the Deshaun Watson trade and still managed to get Cedric Tillman, Siaki Ika, Dylan Jones in the fourth. They got Donovan Thompson-Robinson, who I think will be a really good backup for, for Deshaun Watson. I think they just had really, really good value considering they didn't have the draft capital that certain other teams had. Ed, did you have any other honourable mentions? Just uh, No, I think you've pretty much covered everyone, really. Well, cool beans. Well, let's go on to our big losers. And I look forward to talking about this team with reverence. I'm going to talk about the Washington Commanders. Now, I think their draft last year got slammed and they still ended up as a moderately successful team. But I think this year they've had a pretty average draft. So looking at the players they picked, they picked, and this is this is kind of the crux. I think sometimes it's just a high pick that is ill-fated that tempers the whole draft for me. Emmanuel Forbes who is this ball hawk, six pick sixes in his college career from Mississippi State. He's, you know, got really, really good tape. He's got really, but he is absolutely wafer thin. He is something like 163 pounds. That is a very, very low percentile of cornerback. He is someone that most people you're either gonna look at the production and say oh that's great whatever I don't care about the weight or you're gonna look at the weight and say there's no way he holds up in the NFL and I think he is a massive risk and not only is he a massive risk but you took him before Deontay Banks you took him before Christian Gonzalez and for me I just think you're taking a massive risk on an outlier when you've got much safer just as productive players in the draft, still sitting there looking at you. So I thought that was a very odd, odd pick there. Jatavius Martin in the second round from Illinois, I think is a really, really good pick. He's going to be a, a bit of a Swiss army knife, very aggressive kind of safety. I think he'll do a really good job. Ricky Strongbow, I think is a center who will be a very good player, but I think they picked him maybe a little bit too early. He probably came out as a fourth round in me. They picked him in the third Brain Daniels is very much a, a, a possible potential kind of guy who might like kind of end up as anything. He's tight end out of Utah. I tackle out of Utah even. KJ Henry, I think, is a good player from Clemson, but we all know that Clemson D linemen have a very spotty history. Uh, it's something we'll probably talk about with Brian Brzee and Miles Murphy. Cross Rodriguez is okay, uh, Kentucky. And then Andre Jones, who are perfectly honest, I don't really know much about in the seventh. As I said, I think just the first pick alone really did an absolute number for me. And then you have a situation where no matter who they picked, I don't think the other rounds can save such an ill-fated draft pick. So, Ed, were you a fan of the Commanders? Was it something you were kind of indifferent to? Or did you uh, think they actually had a good draft? 
I think I'll go for the second. I don't mm. think I was as negative as you. I do think that it it wasn't the pick I'd have made. Yeah, I agree with you, and I don't think anything particularly stood out about the rest of their draft. But I wouldn't say I I hated it either. Yeah. Okay, Ed. Well, you've got two picks now, so fire away with your two. Uh, when you're ready. So the first one's the Dallas Cowboys, and mm. the Dallas Cowboys are basically the reverse of the Giants. Reverse Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. Let's not get into that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, content. <laughs> so, yeah, I think they were the, like, the the other way around from the Giants. So the Giants had seven picks. So the, the Cowboys had more than that, but they had seven picks, and every pick seemed to be good value, even if it wasn't the most exciting player or the best player available necessarily or whatever. It just you just thought, oh, that's good value. Oh, that's twenty picks later than I thought. Oh, that's around later than I thought. I think the Dallas Cowboys were just second to everything. Was part of the problem. If you look at their first two picks, so Mazzy Smith, firstly, I don't think he should have gone that high. I don't think he's a bad player by any stretch, and he was a round one fringe, but I think. He shouldn't have gone that high, but also you'd missed out on all the really good linemen, hadn't you? Mm. Let, let's just be honest. You'd missed out on all the really good defensive linemen at that point. And so you thought, well, we want a defensive lineman, so we're, we're going to take him. Mm. And I know that they struggle to stop the run. And I know that having him there to do that helps. And, and, and stopping the run is important, as I was talking about running backs earlier. But I, you'll probably find a road blocker in the third round. Even for a guy who can, they, they, you know, you look at PFF, they're not talking about his pass rushing skills. He is, he is a run blocker who can yeah. push the pocket. At which point it's a bit like, well, I could get that in the third round, just a big body. Yeah. He's got, if he's going to be in the first round, he's got to put pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. He has to. And I just think, like I said, all the other D linemen are gone and they thought, oh, we, we want a D lineman. And it's the same with tight end. They took Luke Sean Shoemaker. And I, I think the same with him. I think the best tight ends are gone, but they thought, well, we need to replace Dalton Schultz. So we'll just, our plan was to replace Dalton Schultz. So we'll just take him. And like with um, Mazzy Smith, it's not a, oh, he's not good. It's just, I feel like you could have traded back and got him. I feel like you could have traded up and got one of the better ones. It's It was just kind of like, we stayed Arnold still. Washington was still there. Yeah. Well, I mean, when did the Steelers take him? Fourth round? 79, third round. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, you could have traded back a whole a whole yeah. round and probably got as good a player. And so yeah. it just felt like they were just second to everything with those first two picks. And then they also went for two edge players, round three, round four. Again, nothing nothing wrong with taking those players there. I don't think I've seen anywhere where someone said they were terrible value or anything like that. But A, nobody said they're a steal. And B, again, edge players, well, actually the Cowboys pass rush is pretty good. And yes, yeah. sometimes it's good to lean into your strengths, but... They've got genuine weaknesses as well, which they didn't really seem to address mm. particularly. So their first, th- sorry, three of their first four picks were defensive line, even though defensive line and pass rusher is one of their biggest advantages. So yeah, get an edge guy there that you think might tip you over the edge. Brilliant. But don't take a second edge guy and a big guy to just block the mm. middle in the first round. Yeah. Yes, tight end was important, but A, you should have taken him earlier or dropped a round or two, as you said. Um, plus, you've got a good wide receiver core. So, yes, the tight end's good, but it's not like Dak's got no one to throw to. And I just like the whole draft just seemed a bit odd. It just it just didn't sit that well with me. No, I agree. I thought it was a very, it's on my list of ones. It's kind of, I was coming home this evening thinking, I should have made it one of my number. I'm glad I didn't because I wouldn't have been able to talk about it because you've yeah. talked about it. But I believe the talk was they would have go for Dalton Kincaid. They got jumped by the Bills. 
and then it meant that they panicked, took Marcus Smith instead, and then picked Shoemaker in the later round. So I think that was it. And I, yeah, I thought it was an, a strange draft. They didn't get great value. And as I said, neither of those, none of those players are bad and they might end up be actually pretty decent players. But we think, I think we agree in terms of, I think that there was probably better value on the board at those times. Ed, what's your second loser from the 2023 draft? The second one's the Lions. And oh! I know that some people would probably say they saved it with round uh, day two and three. And to an extent, I, I do agree with that. This is not... So let me explain. This is not saying that the Lions did a terrible draft. I think I think the Cowboys was perhaps the worst draft or in the bottom three. That's why I picked them, because they, they were really that low. The Lions, I think, were sort of 20-odd-ish, you know, so it, it was low, but not nothing terrible, nothing you lose your job over. But it's almost the timing and the potential of this draft. Hmm. So you're already kind of in the doghouse because you're around 22, 23 in my rankings of just straight, who did they take? Hmm. But then add the fact that this is their moment. The hmm. Lions have been in the doldrums for so long. This is their moment to win the North. And also, I'm not suggesting I hope this happens, Sai, of course, but put the Packers, Bears, and Vikings in their place and establish yourself at the top of the draft, at the top of the, uh, the NFC North. This was your moment. And you had the picks to do it. Hmm. Two round ones, two round twos, two round threes. It's like the dream situation. And then you actually look at what you, they took and you go, yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, Jamar Gibbs, uh, yeah, like we talked about it earlier. I just think, it, it, like I said, a whole round too high, a position of not huge need, and it, it's in an electric offense already. Yes, maybe it's now 5% more electric, but I don't mm. think that's particularly vital Jack Campbell, like you said, an off-the-ball linebacker. They don't matter in the NFL anymore. They're like running backs. They just don't matter as much anymore. And that's coming from a guy who loves historic football and actually would love off-the-ball linebackers, you know, Brian Erlacher and the like, to still be the heroes of the middle of the D. But they're not. And you have to cope with that. Maybe Dan Campbell's still living in those days when he was playing. Who knows? And so that's your round one. You had picked 12 and 18, and, and that's what you got. Mm-hmm. And I know they traded back and got some... some, some um value there but even then they didn't get great value there it's not like the cardinals who rinsed the texans completely Mm. so i just so what then sam laporta okay he's exciting and i'm I'm glad they took a tight end because the guy on facebook told me there is no way you don't know what you're talking about there's (laughs) no way the lions are going to take a tight end well you were wrong however again he's what the fourth tight end and he's actually more like a wide receiver. And I actually saw stats that suggested his contested catch ratio is shocking. <laughs> so, you know, again, it, it, it's a tight end who could be really good, but has some question marks. Yeah. And that, that was pretty much a round one pick as well. That was pick 34. You pretty much pick in the first round still. Look at all the players you could have still had. Mm-hmm. And then Brian Branch, I do actually like that pick. I think that's actually decent value. Uh, round 245 mm. but again safeties not necessarily the most impactful position in the NFL and then they took Hendon Hooker round three again they need a successor to Jared Goff but do you know what at this point you had such a good season last season such a good off season so far I almost say F it don't take a quarterback yeah. wait till next year when it's a better draft anyway and take another player to push you on mm. this year or, yeah. or use that use that third round pick that you used on him to get yourself back in the first round mm. take that Sam Laporta pick and pick in the mid-20s. Yeah. 
maybe in the early 20s if you're lucky, if you find the right team and want to trade. And yeah, so I just thought, do you know what? It's it, it just they had such a chance to just make themselves amazing. You imagine if they'd taken, let's throw some names out there, Christian Gonzalez at, at number 12. Take that cornerback, and then all of a sudden that secondary with what they brought in the offseason would be insane. And then you take a pass rusher at eighteen. All of a sudden, um, with Aiden Hutchinson and whoever this new person is, the defensive line is looking really good. Mm. And then the offense has got all the weapons in the world. And I haven't even got out of the first round yet. Tyree it's, Wilson. I mean, yeah. he if they'd stayed at six, he was available. Went to Raiders at seven. So I just, I just think. It's partly not a great draft. I just don't think it's a great draft, but it's it's also just the potential was so there mm. to make them actually a genuine contender for the NFC, not just the NFC North, the actual whole NFC. Um, and I think they blew it. I think it's going to be a very interesting thing going directly about Hooker as well, in terms of he's going to be 26 by the time the playoffs roll around next year. So by the time he may even get some actual time, unless Goff gets injured, he will be 26, nearly 27, possibly even older. You've then got the fact that he's coming off an ACL tear. You have a situation where he was at a very gimmicky offense at Tennessee. So all in all, it's, it's, although it's only a third round pick, I still think, I mean, a lot of people were big fans of Hooker. He was getting genuine first-round buzz. And maybe if he wasn't for the fact that he had an ACL tear, he would have gone in the first round. But there is some risk to it. There is a situation where they're obviously keen on Goff. There's talk about an extension with him. In which case, why are you bringing in Hooker? Because if that's the case, if it's like three years before he plays or four years before he plays, it's going to be nearly 30. Yeah. I mean, Hooker is the kind of guy that you want to get to play as soon as possible because of that age and the declining window he has by being an older player as well. So I thought it was an odd draft. As a Bears fan, I'm overjoyed that the Lions, yes, they did get better, but they didn't get as, as much as much better, as terrible English, as as you know, as was kind of feared. And next year, the Packers have two first round picks. The Bears have two first round picks. So those are teams that can load up next year and not make the same mistakes that the Lions made this year. So I agree there was they weren't on my list, but they were a team that I had kind of marked as a bit of a, a disappointing draft just because of the fact that they didn't live up to the kind of billing that we all had for them. I'm going to briefly go over another team that I thought didn't have a great draft now. Hmm, who do I go for? I've got three teams. I'll, I'll kind of I'll read them out to you. So I've got the Jets, the Saints, or the 49ers. I'm going to avoid the 49ers just because of the fact they didn't have a first round or second round pick because of the Trey Lance trade. But they picked a kicker in the third round, which in itself deserves a terrible grade for um, for draft recaps. Uh, I'm going to go with the Jets. I thought the Jets, and I know the the, pack, uh, the Patriots had a, uh, a kicker in the fourth round, Ed, so you don't need to tell me. Um, so the Jets had a, a draft that maybe they, they didn't do what was needed. And they kind of dropped back a little bit because of the Aaron Rodgers trade to pick 15, which caused them to miss out on the O-line run, uh, the tackle run. Uh, with Skaronsky, oh sorry, um, with Darnell Wright, Skaronsky, and everyone else going just before, and, and and Jones going at pick number fourteen, so they could have traded up maybe to get in front of that, but they didn't. They took Will McDonald, who is a twenty-four-year-old pass rusher, undersized, played a position probably that doesn't exist in the NFL. 
but we shall see. But he's a good player. He's got great burst. He's very, very productive. But it's not what the Jets really needed. They need a tackle. They've got uh, a couple of guys who can play tackle like... Um, oh, I can't remember the name of their guard. But they've got a guard who can play tackle in a pinch. They've then got Makai Becton, who hasn't been able to stay healthy. They've got Dwayne Brown, who is 37 years old and many years past his true best at the position. And it was the one area I genuinely think they still needed to really improve on to protect Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and I don't think they did. So that in itself has caused me to to, to give this draft a, a bit of a, a low grade. Obviously, they picked up Joe Tipman as well, who's a good player. Very giant for a centre. He's 6'6". Six, six. You don't get centres who are 6'6". Six, six. He's a giant. Had two labrum tears I'm a little bit worried about. But he's a guy that really gets gets at it. Carter Warren, I don't really think he's going to solve your issues at tackle. Uh, Israel Abanikanda, I think, is a good running back. But he's a lot of years of productivity. And I'm worried about the tread on the tyres. And then you've got some players, Zaya Barnes, uh, Bernard Converse, and Zach Kuntz. Uh, you have to be careful with that name. Uh, in the sixth and seventh rounds. And yeah, it was just a, a mere draft. And I just think that alone, just not doing enough to protect Aaron Rodgers is is a big cause of concern. And then you're going in with big question marks at the tackle positions, or you're going to have to do a very expensive trade or hope that you have a guy that falls to you in waivers. And I just think there's a, a lot going on there that, that needs to improve. Uh, just to go briefly, as I said, the Saints on my list as well. I just thought they had a really meh draft. I think Brazil has a few issues because of in... Uh, not particularly inspiring play last year. And then the 49ers said they picked a kicker and they also picked out players who I just generally don't think are going to have much of an indentation on that roster. Ed, did you have any other honourable mentions before we go any further? I think I'd throw Minnesota and Miami in there. Both didn't yeah. have many picks. Um, yeah. And I'm not really holding that against them because that's not their fault. And they've got other stuff like Tyreek Hill for that. But yeah. um I, I thought both of them basically picked no impact players whatsoever. I think both of them, their entire draft, won't really play this year, which isn't fab. No, I, I think I want to do a kind of avoid. That's why I didn't do the 49ers, because it's kind of unfair to be like, oh, you didn't have a bad draft, but you started in the third round or the second yeah. round. It's a bit difficult, but at the same point, yeah, I don't think they had particularly good drafts. Vikings did have a first rounder. I like Jordan Anderson. I think he's a, a decent player to play opposite Jefferson. But beyond that, I don't think they got any other impact players. And I think the Vikings have lost a lot of players this offseason. They were in 13 one-score games last year. And I just genuinely think that they are going to regress to the mean quite considerably this year. Anyway, Ed, let's move on briefly to our one-minute synopsis each on our own thoughts of our drafts, our team's drafts. So tell us how you thought the Patriots did and whether they got value at their positions, uh, whether there were any particularly head-scratching moments or whether it was uh, A-stars all round. I think the Patriots did really well. I think if we could have talked to them, because me and Sai guys both banned each other from basically talking about our teams in the kind of winner <laughs> segment, but, and partly because of bias, I guess, but also partly because we knew we were going to talk about them now, so there's no point talking about them twice. Mm. Um, but I don't think I would have picked them as one of my two winners, to be fair. But I think they were in the top eight, hmm. you know, top quarter. I think they did really well. Christian Gonzalez was, frankly, an absolute steal. And the fact we got a fourth round pick and him in the first round is the best Bill Belichick's done in the first round 
since you drafted Richard Seymour, probably, um, which was a long time ago. So I think that's that's a star, brilliant first night. Second day, Keon White, I think, has a, a lot of motor and I think has a lot of uh, football IQ and he's got great motor. I think he just needs a bit of refining, uh, a little bit of moulding, but his, his athleticism is insane. Like there was a highlight, um, which I told you about the other day, where they showed when he was drafted of him peeling off from defensive end to stop a wheel route from a running back. And he just pace to pace with the running back. The running yeah. back never got away from him and it's a defensive end, but he's big yeah. as well. It's not like yeah. he's a small, skinny defensive end. So I'm excited by him. I think that was good value there. And he looked pissed, which I think is great. For the <laughs> he looked real angry. Um, then we got um, Mapu in, the, in, in round three, which actually I, at first I was a bit like, oh, but let's be fair. Belichick to Duggar, who was from a Division Two school, never yeah. went a Division Two school. Oh my god! And then he's taken him, so I'm, I'm willing to trust him on that because Duggar's been a revelation. He's been absolutely amazing, and I'm finally we finally got a linebacker who can chase Josh Allen, who can chase yeah. Lamar Jackson. He's like he has the legitimate speed to chase these guys and play spy. And Bill's been. I don't criticise Bill that often because of all he's done for the club and also because, let's be honest, he's usually right. But one of his few mm. war- problems is he's been about five years late on this. He's been mm. five, six years late on this and it's cost us multiple times against mobile yeah. callbacks. The fact we've had the big thumper linebackers. It's like, but it's not 2005 anymore, Bill. <laughs> Everyone isn't running <laughs> the ball down your throat anymore. And um, we finally got a linebacker who can chase those guys, which I think is great. We took a kicker and punter which I'm happy about. Nick Falk was so automatic, great kicker, but anything over 45 yards, you can't kick it far enough. And we, you can't kick mm-hmm. it far enough from kickoffs, which is a big problem because the other team always gets a return. And inevitably, eventually, they're going to get a touchdown. And an extra punter because also Jake Bailey's left. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind taking them in the draft. We took a load of linemen um, on day three, which was my only real whinge. We took a centre and two guards. And... Although everyone said good value, good value, upside, etc., so they're good picks. I'm a bit like, yeah, but centre and guards actually where we're completely set right now. <laughs> We've got a really good guard, a really good centre, and a solid first round pick from last year guard. Now I know Andrews isn't that far from retirement, and when he's on the last year of his contract, he's going to get paid, so we probably won't pay him. But even so, it seemed that's excessive to take three. So I thought I didn't love that. Um, but then we took mm. some punts on some wide receivers and corners, positions where we need people. And again, I've heard loads of good things, like Kashawn Boutte, best name ever. Um, yeah. Apparently, the, the, the exact words of PFF, I'll read them out for you. He's got, he didn't have a great good production this year and a poor combine. However, this is the player that many analysts predicted as their potential number one wide receiver before the season. Mm. We got him in round six. Yeah. Number one yeah. wide receiver, and we got me around six. That's crazy. Um, if it works out, that could be the steal of the draft. And then, um, um, we, we pick, like I say, another wide receiver who's very shifty, very fast. So that'll be interesting. And actually, um, the, the one corner is really interesting. So he's exceptionally quick slot corner, which could be interesting to yeah. kind of put up against people like Tyreek, those small, really fast receivers. Um, so that mm-hmm. could be interesting, but. Overall, I just thought it was a really good draft. One of Bill's best for a long time, including last year, which was graded out as, I think, a B-plus by most people. Um, so I, I was just, yeah, really happy. Like I said, the run of linemen was the only thing I thought maybe yeah. take a different position. 
Yeah, my only worry for you, I suppose, that'll come up in our previews down the line is who's going to play tackle for you? Because I really don't yeah. think Riley Reef is your long-term tackle. No, he's and not long-term, but neither Trent of our Brown. tackles are. Yeah. So Trent Brown and Riley Reef will play this year, and then next year we'll have to well, double Good luck it. with that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, good we'll luck with that. As a base fan, I, I can say good luck. Um, anyway, I'll talk briefly about our draft of Chicago Bears. So Darnell Wright, pick number 10. So we talked about Carter and the risk there, obviously. turn. He, we might be known as that team that turned him down, but I think the Bears were not in a position where they were able to to take that risk with Jalen Carter. So we went Darnell Wright, which is our big weakness. I mocked him in our last in my last mock to the Bears. I thought he is the perfect right tackle. He's a massive dude. He's got a road grader, and I think he's going to play really, really good football. Still young. He, he doesn't strike me. He's only 21. So I think he is going to have a really good career with the Chicago Bears, who have not made a history, any history in the last four years, I believe, of picking a tackle in the first round. So uh, very excited to to see how that goes. It was, as I said, one of our big weaknesses. Protect Justin Fields, all that matters this year for the Chicago Bears. Then kind of suffered a little bit due to the run on edge players. Um, so we picked up Gervin Dexter, who was seen as a bit of a reach, a D-tackle, um, as our second, our first second round pick, um, because then we missed out on the edge because of the Clay, Chase Claypool deal, and ended up having our pick from the Ravens instead as our first second rounder, and, and they can't miss it. So our pass rush is non-existent right now, so that's a bit of a worry. But interesting to see what we can do with this guy. He is an absolute stud athletically. He's just not shown it on the field at Florida. So I'm very interested to see how that goes. But you should look at, at some of the stuff he done. His 40-yard dash is great. He's power lifts. He's, he's a very, very impressive guy. Just needs to put it together on the field. We then picked up Tyreek Stevenson as our second uh, second round pick, which came from the trade to the Panthers via the 49ers. He is a very long, rangy corner that will come in and probably start for us very, very early. So we'll have one of the better white uh, cornerback rooms in the whole of the NFC, if not the whole of the NFL, because I think he will make put us over the top. We needed another corner, and, and I think he's done that. We then picked up Zach Pickens in the third round. who's another D-tackle, might play a bit of D-end as well, probably play our three technique. He is explosive. He's got absolute amazing lineage. He's like the number one recruited guy in the whole country. Uh, hasn't put it together as of yet. But maybe coaching comes into that. He's got the traits. Once again, he's a very great athletic player. And it's just about getting that onto the field consistently. And I think the Bears have a plan, hopefully, to do this. Because, as I said, our pass rush is non-existent. So we're going to need something from our D-line in the middle. Uh, then we have Roshan Johnson we picked in the fourth, who was an absolute kind of a David Montgomery-esque player. Great pass uh, protector. Very, very strong runner. Was stuck behind Bijan Robinson, but isn't actually, he's a very, very good player and probably don't, people don't know that because he was stuck behind Robinson. So I'm really happy with him. Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati is an absolute burner. Super pacey guy, 4-3-9 speed. We'll be doing jet sweeps. We'll be catching the ball in space and, and running 30 or 40 yards. Can do the vertical routes as well for a guy like Justin Fields. It's going to be vital. Uh, Noah Sewell is a guy who was, if it came out last year, would have been a top 50 pick uh, and falls down to the fifth round for us. He's got great athletic traits. Once again, a lot of traits in this draft. 
maybe not necessarily the best IQ as a footballer, but I think they'll probably put him in as a situational pass rusher when they can get him blitzing the quarterback because I think he's got the ability to do that well. Terrell Smith is another cornerback, another rangy guy who's going to improve that room. And then we took a couple of flyers in the seventh round on a couple of guys who may pan out, who may not. We'll find out down the line. And Travis Bell from Kennesaw State. And uh, Kendall Williamson, who is a, a safety from Stanford. So I, I thought the Bears did pretty well. I, I said, obviously, that the issue with the pass rush is going to be something that possibly bites us unless we pick up someone like Yannick Ngokwe, Frank Clark, uh, Leonard Floyd, one of those players who are still out as a street free, free agent. But I think that's the one area I really griped about and possibly what we're going to do about at centre because we have uh, Cody Whitehair is moving back there now who is going to be playing as our centre this year, most probably. Uh, it would have been nice to go younger. Luke Whipler was out there to the sixth round, so I don't know why he wasn't picked up. I don't know if there was injury issues there, the Ohio State centre, but obviously the Bears didn't fancy him. So a few gripes, but overall, I can see a plan. He's surround- He's making the team full of big, strong, fast people, and I think that's a very good way to possibly bring success to the Chicago who has been starved of success for far too long. So yeah, I was happy. And as I said, not every draft has to be a home run. Some can be a double and I'm more than happy with a double because under Ryan Pace, we had too many horrendous drafts where no one, no one came of anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all in all, I, I, I'm a happy guy. Ed, is there anything else you want to talk about on the draft before we, we hit, hit the nail on the head? I think the only thing to say guys is we're going to be taking a bit of a break now so yeah. we um we'll be back mid i think it's eight, end of june i think we did yeah. last year i think to fit them all in so what we do guys is we come back at sort of end of june we do one show a week on a thursday as normal and we preview every division one division a week so we get into every team in real detail we really talk about the cap their team all the different position groups um the draft different trades free agency projections, win losses for the year. So loads and loads to go into. So really good detail on those. And um, we start that kind of end of June. So um, until then, we are going to be uh, taking a bit of a break because we, we record the whole rest of the year. And as Sia said a few times, we are both married with children. And so... Not to each other. No. <laughs> uh, life would be easier. Although it would make, um, it would make things easier. <laughs> uh, so... Um, yeah, so you know we, we've got to spend time with with family and um, recharge a little bit ourselves. As much as we love the NFL, we both have a huge passion for it. It's it's nice to have a break. The players have a yeah. break, so I think even Bill Belichick has maybe one day off, although he says no days off. So you know it, it, it's break time for us, and we'll come back being recharged in the summer. And that's it. Then now we're getting towards the stage. Apart from that, mini camps, the fixture release. There's not actually much going on now. And That's even true. when we do the summer episodes where we're doing previews, there's not necessarily that much going on until the players come back for training camp. So it's it's more about obviously just like do our previews and everything else. But yeah, we're going to have some time off. We will obviously still be on, on Twitter. Uh, I think I was a little bit more active this week, especially with Bears stuff. Um, at Shutdown Cover on Twitter. So please, if you have anything to say to us, any comments and any things we, we, we talk about, then please, by all means, put it on there. Uh, but yeah, I think it's about time to say goodbye. And we will obviously update on Twitter when we're coming back. If you're subscribed, then you'll automatically get the first episode, obviously, when we come back anyway. So just subscribe, man. Just subscribe. 
and then you don't need to worry about when we're coming but you don't need to look at us on on twitter to see our new release dates so yeah but also to say thank you very much for everyone I, we know it's been a bit hit and miss we've as i said got families uh, we've had children recently and all that sort of stuff so you know there's been times where ed's had to hold down the fort or we haven't done an episode or whatever so thank you for bearing with us but we are very much determined to keep on going. And obviously over the summer and into the new season, uh, we are unabated and unabashed and still in love with the NFL and looking forward to the start of the, the new year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it will be the new season. So we start our season at, at that sort of time, like the NFL almost does. So yeah. um, it will be season four. Uh, wow. In June. Wow. Well, anyway, thank you very much, everyone, for listening, and we shall see you soon. Ta-ra for now.